This episode is brought to you by Margie Lamb, health coach and founder of Healthy and Hustling. Are you fed up with the dieting and the seemingly contradictory health advice out there? Do you want to feel great in your body and accomplish your goals in a way that's empowering and not overwhelming? For me, the answer was an easy yes. Five years ago, I was pushing 200 pounds. I worked out twice a day and counted my calories. I didn't really see a movement on the scale nor my body type. So I decided to check my ego and call up a health coach. Margie, as a certified integrative nutrition health coach, works with each client as a guide and mentor to build a healthy, sustainable lifestyle that will help you reach your health goals. She offers free one-hour initial consultations. To learn more, visit her website, www.healthyandhustling.com. That's www.healthyandhustling, spelled H-U-S-T-L-I-N, dot com. Have you ever scrambled with thoughts on how you were going to entertain your guest at your big event or a big event that you were hosting? Why not treat your amazing guest with live music? Allow me to personally recommend to you a saxophonist that's guaranteed to bring his best every time he performs. Verl Tolbert is his name. His bilanguage, his enthusiasm, his smile will tell you his story. Verl played at my wedding and he was also a guest on this podcast, episode number four. A natural entertainer and talented musician, Verl T, the perfect choice for all events and special occasions, playing smooth jazz, R&B, neo-soul, blues, pop, and gospel music are his passion. Saxophonist Verl Tolbert is from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and has been playing saxophone for over 15 years. Verl T plays alto, soprano saxophone, electric wind instrument, also known as the iwi, with a heavy dose of soul. Allow Verl T to help make your event something super special. For booking information, navigate to verlt.com. That's Verl spelled V-E-A-R-L, the letter T dot com. You are listening to Defining Moments Podcast. This is episode number 16 with Patrick Rosé, a professional performing arts singer, dancer, and one of the most upbeat human beings I have ever met. Patrick's love for his family is energetic and undeniable. His passion for music life is absolutely beautiful. In this episode, Patrick takes you on a journey deep into his life, a series of moments that are very personal and uplifting. Patrick, I appreciate you more than you'll ever know. Keep up the great work from here to now to you. I love you, bro. Patrick, this is your sister. I'm just leaving you a note to tell you I love you. I cannot wait to listen to your podcast. I am super proud of everything that you're doing. And I miss you and I can't wait to see you. Proud of you. Love you. Bye. I'd like to acknowledge my wife for making this podcast amazingly unique and to our guest that has taken the time and gathered up enough courage to share their story to the world. Hi, everyone. My name is Wong Lam, your host of Defining Moments Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Each podcast, I bring on a family member, a colleague, a friend, a guest that has submitted their defining moment and has agreed to come onto the podcast to share. A defining moment is a moment that either you define or you let the moment define you. We go through many of them in life. Perhaps your moment was a struggle that led you to your moment of greatness or led you to contribute to society the way that you do. 
Patrick Rosé once said, you don't need to be everybody's cup of tea, coffee, or whiskey. Just be your own glass of water. Nourish yourself and then share of yourself so that other people can make what they need with you to your sizzle, spark, and startup. What was it like growing up in a left-brain family? What led you to your passion of performing arts and ballet? How did you communicate with your parents about your passion, your style, the way you want to live your life? He's from Denver, Colorado, graduated with a degree in fine arts and musical theater from Shenandoah Conservatory in Virginia. Mr. Patrick Rosé, welcome to the podcast. Hey there, how's it going? Pretty good, man. How's your day been? You know, can't complain. Can't yeah? complain. Good Sunday. <laughs> Sunday fun day. Am yeah. I right? What, uh, what made it so fun? You know, um, <laughs> I'm back home, as you know. I'm, I'm here visiting in Oklahoma. I get yeah. about three months home, but uh, it doesn't feel like a break from work. I, yeah. I'm still, I'm teaching dance here um, in Oklahoma City, yeah. so... I'm, I'm teaching at your temple. Yeah. Actually, I'm teaching some boys some hip hop at yeah. the temple. So I yep. spent the whole afternoon dancing. I can't <laughs> complain. Oh, they're enjoying it too. I, I feel like the boys totally enjoy it. However, I, I feel like their parents and the community is really behind you on this movement and the welcoming of it and how you're so open to teaching just anyone and everyone. Well, I definitely appreciate them reaching out to me and letting me come in and teach the boys. They're, yeah. You know, they start off kind of shy and reserved. And <laughs> I don't do very well with that when other people approach me with that. So I'm like, yo, let's, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So obviously I know you through your sister. I'm engaged to be married to your sister here in about Ooh. five weeks. Oh my gosh. Five weeks. That's yeah. So close. Yeah. And of course, with that, you know, you, you marry the family once you marry the sister. And I firmly believe in that. And people are like, well, you know, you have a, a brother-in-law now. And to me, it's not about having that attachment as entitled as a brother-in-law. To me, it's, I mean, you're like a brother. There's no brother-in-law to it, man. And so uh, I'm very thankful that you uh, are reaching out to be on this podcast and I'm thoroughly, thoroughly going to enjoy this podcast, man. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean... <laughs> I definitely agree with you. I yeah. feel like I've gained a brother. And <laughs> ever since you asked me, you yeah. asked my permission, which I didn't need, but you asked. And from that moment was like, yeah, let's do this. I, I got a brother. I got a brother that I always wanted. Well, it was, it's important. It was important for me to get your permission too. I mean, obviously it's important to get your parents' permission. However, you are very close to your sister, obviously. And so it was very important for me to get that yes as well. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, man. So, Marty told me that you were in performing arts and theater. You're going to school to do that a few years ago. And we, my first, I guess, performance to watch you play was in Mary Poppins. You, you were burped. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the only comparison I really had at that time was, of course, going to the Civic Center and watching the Nutcracker. Uh, and then I've never seen a, co a collegiate performance. Mm -hmm. So, I fly out there with your sister and I get to sit down next to your dad. And as you're performing, I'm like, dude, this this bird guy is pretty freaking good. <laughs> and at the corner of my eye, because I can remember this vividly, your dad sitting to my left, I, I could see him tearing up. Oh you know, because your mom and your uh, sister are in the front row in front of us. And I sit next to your dad and I could see him tearing up. And, you know, obviously he's a, he was very, very proud. And it's like you were, you're a... A star because after the 
the performance, you got a standing ovation. The whole crew got a standing ovation. And then the kids are asking you for your autograph, man. That That is, like, that should just be my defining moment right there. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, no. That, it felt like a big rock star moment for me. Yeah, yeah. The fact that the whole family was there. Yeah. In the front row supporting. Sometimes yeah. those are the most nerve-wracking performances. Oh, yeah. Honestly, when... When you don't know anyone in the audience, mm-hmm. it, it can be kind of like, okay, I'm going out there, I'm doing my job, this, yeah. is, this is work. Yep. But as soon as someone you know, especially if they're sitting right there in the front <laughs> row, it, it all, all of a sudden, you know, yeah. the level and the game changes. It's like, oh, okay, here's the pressure. Yeah. The pressure's on. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Could uh, I feel like I could imagine it just being a competitive athlete, you know, but mm-hmm. I, of course I played a, a team sport and being in arts and ballet i feel like it's a team sport too because you have to have all the props done it's it's timing it's about the other actors and actresses during the performance that you're cueing off of and you're probably cueing off of either their energy or their consistency yeah absolutely i mean it's um we often joke that theater is like this big machine <laughs> with a lot of different gears yeah um and sometimes it's impossible to think how all of it comes together in the way that it does because you have not only your stage managers and your crew and your lighting director and your stage director and your set designer Mm. and that's all just design elements and you have your creative team which is your actual director your choreographer your assistant director if you have one you know your dance captain but then you have an entire cast of people who also need to know what to do yeah so it's all of these different um groups of people who come together to make one goal happen and in that way yeah Mm -hmm. i can see it it is a very team or it needs to be a very team oriented thing or the product isn't successful oh i agree it's uh it looks like a lot of hard work too and to me i i call it poetry in motion because (laughs) it's so artistic the movement i mean besides the movement the muscle tone that you guys have (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I appreciate man. it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's incredible, man. And when you go and perform, what what's a prep before your performance like? Oh, gosh. I mean, a typical prep starts an hour before performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually need about an hour. Um, and that's not including getting into costume. That's not including getting into makeup if it requires makeup. Right. Um, that is just me time. You know, mm-hmm. I will either put on a podcast, I'll, I'll put my headphones in, zone out from everyone else, I'll get yeah. to the theater, um, I'll get, I'll go on stage, I'll kind of lay, I'll do my own meditation or something to just get me into my head, get me into my body. I'll put on usually your podcast or another <laughs> podcast I'm, like, I'm uh, listening to at the Thanks. moment. Yeah. Shout out, hashtag DMP. Um, <laughs> And I'll I'll kind of sit with myself mm-hmm. and I'll retune into what I need. I'll let go of the day yeah. because once you get into the performance, the performance is not about you. It's mm-hmm. about who showed up to watch you and right. you're giving everything to them. Right. So I kind of release out of my body um, and then you know, dance is very physical. So mm-hmm. I go into my warm-up routine and my warm-up routine takes about 45 minutes. Wow. Um, and that's just, you know, limbering up legs, arms, body, neck, neck tension in right. general, yeah. really getting everything loose and warm and ready to go so you don't injure yourself because if, you can't, if you're injured, you can't work. Right. Um, 
Yeah. And then from there, you know, that's when I go into, um, I'll usually take out my headphones at that point because mm-hmm. it's, it's important to connect with the people that you're performing with. Absolutely. And then, yeah. um, I'll put on the makeup, I'll do the hair, I'll get into costume. And then from there it's go time. Yeah. Can't think about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. And I'm glad you brought that up about the mental prep time, at least an hour for yourself. I coached soccer for a very long time and I would always tell my the boys I coach, you know, you want to show up at least 45 minutes early to the match just to warm up as a team. However, you need an hour at least to yourself prior to that to get yourself mentally prepped, kind of envisioning yeah. how you're going to perform, how are you going to help your teammates perform. Totally. I am a huge advocate for that. I think it totally helps. I mean, some people, it's not their style. I mean, mm-hmm. I have friends who go on stage they literally show up to the theater 15, 30 minutes before they yeah. get into costume, get into makeup, and they can go on and give it a killer performance. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. how do you do that? Because yeah. I need that time. Right. And I, I know that some other people need that time, but yeah. you know, those people do exist. They're just superhuman. They can they can roll in. They don't need that extra minute. They can go. Um, I, I've, <laughs> I've always needed it. Yeah. Me time's always good, especially to go into a big time performance because every performance for you is obviously big time being in the profession you're in, you've got to audition, right? You don't just walk on the stage and like, okay, well, I am going to be Bert. You have to audition for that. Right. Can you uh, walk me through the Bert audition? Oh, yeah. Um, This, okay, well, this was like an atypical audition. Um, It's, so I I performed um, in Mary Poppins for my university. It's mm-hmm. the summer stock uh, theater at my university. It happens in the summer period in between um, semesters. Um, so they hold an audition for a season like they do. Probably it happens around the spring semester. So I went in for um, a general audition for the entire season. I think they were doing four shows that season. Um, and I wasn't thinking about, even though Bert is a dream role, I yeah. wasn't thinking about, okay, this is my audition for Bert. You yeah. know, I was thinking, I want to audition for the entire season. I want to be utilized for the entire season. So um, I went in with my general audition. I can't even remember what I sang. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> um, it was a singing audition, and then it was a dance call, and then maybe like two weeks later, I got yeah. an email from one of my professors who runs the theater program over there, and... Um, it said, we'd like you to come in for a callback for Bert. And, you know, that was like <laughs> fist pump in the air moment for me. It was like, yes, I killed it. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, your job's not over at that point. You go in for one or two more auditions mm-hmm. after that so they can see if you're right. Um, mm-hmm. For me and Bert, I, I don't know. I just connect to that character yeah. so much. So. Yeah. Um, I only needed to go in for one callback. It was me and another guy that I grew up um, doing theater with at school and both completely capable for the role. And at that point, you just got to go in there and you got to show what you got. It could be completely different from the other person. Um, (laughs) And they literally they stick you in the room with each other and you they give you material that you prepare beforehand. Um, And you, you do it in front of each other like I was able to see his name is Bryce and I was able uh, to see Bryce do his stuff and I was able to do my stuff in front of Bryce and uh it comes down to like whoever whoever they think yeah has the yeah. best jobs to right, do it right. um and sometimes it's not even about talent sometimes it's like oh well <laughs> he's taller or he has brown hair <laughs> he has green eyes <laughs> those are literally the nuances that come down to my career you know yeah, yeah um and then from there i 
I think how it went down is I got done with my callback. Bryce got done with his. I was standing outside waiting for them to kind of like deliberate. He had told me to, uh, my professor had told me to wait around. He came out in the hallway and uh, he offered me the role right there wow. in the hallway, which isn't typical. Usually you yeah. get an email or something. And yeah. that was like, I remember that being like one of the most exhilarating moments of my life. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, remember <laughs> I was like running down the hall in my university and I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is happening. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It was a big win moment for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. I remember actually when Margie called and told me that, I was like, what? I was like, that's that's big time. <laughs> I, I really did. I thought I, yeah. I was like, that's pretty big time, isn't it? She's like, yeah, it's really amazing. And so when you said you felt like connection, like with you and the Burke character, you can definitely see that when I went to watch you perform that oh. one night. You can definitely tell that you were. It seemed like you were the best fit. Obviously, you were the best fit, but it just seemed like it was natural. Thank you. It just flowed so well, <laughs> Thank man. You. Thank you. Yeah, gosh, <laughs> blushing over here. <laughs> So with that being said, man, I, what, why did you choose Shenandoah all the way on the East Coast? Oh, man. Well, I, a lot of it came down to um, the best training. I yeah. mean, that's, that's definitely one element of choosing mm -hmm. a school. I mean, no one path is right for any person. Yeah. I, I knew that I wanted to go to school. That's yeah. a requirement for my parents as well. It's like, you need to go get your degree. We don't yeah. care what your degree is, but you need, you need to go get it. And, right on. So that was a definite. I, I knew I wanted a four-year program. I mm -hmm. wanted a bachelor's of fine arts. Um, and I wanted it to be an emphasis in musical theater. I mm -hmm. didn't want just dance. I didn't want just acting. I didn't want just singing. I wanted all three put together. Yeah. And when you start whittling those down, I mean, there there are quite a few schools, but the pool becomes smaller and smaller. So I had heard about Shenandoah through mutual friends. Uh -huh. um, Shenandoah was kind of like, it was on my B list, but you yeah. know, it was like, <laughs> I might as well go to the audition, went to the audition. They completely sold the program to me. Wow. Um, I fell in love with the program and I think I was even, yeah, I think I was, I was waitlisted and I was like, ah. <laughs> and then that, that acceptance, I was between like one or two schools and yeah. the, um, I think the program had texted me actually. He didn't even email me. He texted me and he was like, Hey Patrick, this is Jonathan Plum from Shenandoah. We would love to offer you a spot in the two thousand class of two thousand sixteen musical theater program. Wow. From there it was like, Yes. Yeah. This, this is it. Yeah. Um That's yeah. cool, man. Yeah. I uh, I remember actually Morgan and I helped pack the U Haul for your parents to drive uh, to Shenandoah. <laughs> and that carpet putting that carpet in that oh U Haul, God. man, holy shnikes, dude. Mm. <laughs> well, I appreciate it because that carpet, I just moved that carpet out <laughs> two weeks ago and that carpet is not an easy thing to move. I don't know why we moved that carpet to yeah. Virginia. <laughs> what yeah. were we thinking? No kidding. Holy cow, man. So when you're in Sh studying at Shenandoah, what's a day-to-day -day like for you from the, the time you get up to the time you go to bed? How are your studies and of course, you got to practice and you got to audition. I mean, that, that's a load. Yeah, it is a load. Um, I was just having this conversation with my mom, actually, mm -hmm. the other day. Um, I almost wish that I had taken a year off in between high school and college oh, because yeah? I don't think people understand how much time and commitment is required to mm -hmm. get your degree. Um, a lot goes into it. So a typical day looks like I would wake up 7 a.m., 
go to the cafeteria, mm-hmm. eat my breakfast in ballet class at 8 a.m. And then I had classes um, anywhere from general studies classes to arts classes mm-hmm. all the way through my day. And that would, that would go till about 4 or 5 p.m. And then if you were cast in the musical, because mm-hmm. performance is like the key thing. Yeah. It's what you're going there for. Um, if you're cast in the musical, rehearsal was, would start around six or seven. So mm-hmm. you'd have about an hour to eat dinner, get dinner prepared. Wow. And then get back to school for rehearsals. And a lot of times rehearsals would go, you know, seven to ten or seven to midnight, depending on what needed to be done. Um, and then, you know, get back in bed, do yeah. the whole thing over again. Yeah. When you're living on campus, it's it's easier because you can just slip yeah. back up to the dorm room. But mm-hmm. when you roll out of rehearsals, get in the car and go all the way home, yeah. it, it made for a long day. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And then in between all of those times, you know, you have your regular class road uh, loads, but you also, you know, you have to do your practicing because it's uh, voice training, it's dance training, it's acting training. So you have all of those extra hours that go into practicing your scenes practicing Mm -hmm. your solo songs for juries um and then on top of that you have your regular class loads for homework and getting all of that done like i think i had three general education credits that i had to take and studying for psych was like the last thing you would want to do at the end of the day (laughs) when you were getting out of rehearsal at midnight right right but it's yeah it's tough and sometimes i think that that one year of gap Mm might have let me settle down just a little bit more take a deep breath focus in on what i wanted yeah and then attack it yeah it was exhausting it was oh yeah probably the most exhausting four years that i've had so far in my life (laughs) that sounds pretty intense man actually i i asked that because yeah I, i watch sports and i'm involved with sports a lot and you see all these sports channels fox sports espn they always show the basketball, baseball, football players and what mm-hmm. they go through, their grind. And it's pretty intense. However, I feel like being in musical theater, it's a different type of intensity. You've got to be definitely athletic. However, you're supposed to be, you've got to be very articulate too yeah. as well. And it's not just, well, <laughs> I wake up, I go practice, I go to school, I go practice and I go home. You're waking up, you practice, you eat, you study, and then you practice and then you have auditions to cast in a yeah a play yeah i mean um there's there's the internal elements to it where you're practicing on your own but there's also Mm. the performance elements to it as well where you you have to at some point let go of the practice and you have to do the thing and it's the hard thing i mean how do you grade someone on an artistic right form yeah It, it becomes really difficult and it becomes mentally wearing yeah. as well after a while i mean i had great professors but mm-hmm. you know when you're doing it day after day for four years mm-hmm. and you're stuck because my class size was 12 people i had 12 people in the class of 2016 musical theater program wow. um when it all came down to it and when you're performing in front of the same 12 people and you're getting the same feedback and you're in front of the same professor mm-hmm. it it becomes kind of like a mental game where you're yeah you have to get yourself out of your body and you have to tell yourself, okay, this is the best that I did today. Yeah. I still have more to go. Yeah. There will be more growth after Shenandoah as mm-hmm. well. I don't need to learn everything here. Life is going to be a learning process. Yeah. 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 Um, that's a great take, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great take. Yeah. Um, it's, it was quite literally 
four years of exhaustion. <laughs> yeah. No, it sounds like it, man. It it's much more like than it. any 17, 18 year old should take on at yeah. the time, but we did it. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you did it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, was there ever, ever a time when you were just like, man, you know what? Nah, I'm, I'm not going to do this. Uh, I'm sure that there was, Yeah, but for me, having a passion like I have, that becomes the most important thing. I've had so many mentors tell me the same quote over and over, especially before I even started auditioning for colleges. They they tell you, if there's anything else you want to do besides performance, musical theater, Broadway, any of it, mm. go do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go do it because it's... um. It's going to be some of the most emotional times of your life. It's going to be some of the most challenging times of your life. You're going to have to accept failure over and over and over again. Yeah. And if you can't do it and you can see yourself doing something else, they tell you to go do it. Yeah. Kind of cut and dry like yeah. that. And that's a hard thing to swallow as yeah. like a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old sometimes if you're auditioning for colleges and you're not entirely sure what your future will hold because mm-hmm. you're so young, but mm-hmm. you're you have to choose a degree program and you yeah. want to do it. It's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you kind of have to have the gumption to say, yeah, this is what I want. And to have those mental check-ins every, you know, six months with yourself and check in with your goals and say, yeah. okay, is this still in alignment with what I want for my life? Right. Then, yeah, keep keep going after it because it'll be worth the struggle. If everyone just gave up right at the beginning of their struggle, then no one would get anywhere. We yeah. would all be just sitting complaining that, life is a struggle yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i think that applies to things outside theater and performance but especially for performance it's i mean just auditioning for schools is hard enough but you're gonna face so much more after school Mm -hmm. it's four years of intense training and then when you get out of school you have to find the training on your own and work the jobs on your own so it's like if you can't handle school and you can't handle it now maybe it is time to think yeah what else is there for me but no i don't think i had any of those moments i'm sure i had a couple i mean my friends could probably attest i'm sure i had breakdowns where i'm like i'm never gonna be where i need to be but everyone has those and that's perfectly normal and healthy and i would consider that a mental check-in with yourself asking yourself why am i upset yeah what is it about the situation that's upsetting me am i upset because i care or because i no longer want to try yeah and then making your decision from there. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure I had a fair few of those <laughs> over my four years. I can look back on it and be like, college was great. Yeah. It was like four years of just straight performance. But no, I'm sure if you called up any one of my friends, they'd be like, I remember this time when Patrick was having this huge meltdown. <laughs> Did you ever, during your four years at college, and of course Shenandoah is a long ways away from Oklahoma City, were there ever nights that you called your mom, text your mom and kind of checked in to get her feel and share your thoughts. I want to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to say yes and I'm sure they happened. I'm sure yeah. that they happened kind of naturally, but yeah. college was the time for me to like really buckle down and focus mm-hmm. on something that I was passionate and wanted to attack mm-hmm. and I probably could have been 10 times better with communication yeah. with my parents because she and my dad are like the two biggest supporters yeah they're off to the sidelines constantly supporting me Mm -hmm. and i don't know i i probably could have been a lot better with it yeah it probably happened but yeah yeah yeah. i i just remember college being this like tunnel vision Mm -hmm. sort of four years Mm -hmm. where 
who was like, this is, I'm going to try this 100%. Yeah. It's either 100% or nothing. Yeah. I like it. I got to give everything I got. Yeah. Yeah. But I was also very lucky to have a really close group of friends yeah. with me at college. And we kind of became that for each other. Mm-hmm. We all had our outside support systems, but we sort of became a support system for each other. And yeah. that was the most helpful, yeah. I think, to have someone who knew what was happening in that moment to yeah. kind of bring you back down to earth and mm-hmm. be like, you know, this is this is one moment of your life. Yeah. You this too shall pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I asked that question because every time Mark and I go out eat with your mom and dad, they always seem like they're in the loop with what's going on. When's your next performance? When's your next thirty five performances down the road? Yeah, and it just seemed like you guys were always well connected. Yeah, you know, and oh, definitely. I mean, and my mom and my dad are great about keeping in touch with me. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm probably not the best <laughs> the other way around, and mom could probably attest to that, but. uh no, they're they're really great about keeping in check with me mm-hmm. and what's going on in my life, and mm-hmm. I'm I will always be forever grateful yeah. for that. Yeah. I, I have a million things happening in my head at any yeah. one moment, <laughs> so uh, the fact that I have two people that really truly care enough to check in and figure out what's going on with yeah. me, uh, it's, it's special. Not everyone has that, and I recognize that, so oh, I'm yeah. very very grateful to oh, them. That's huge, man. So I, I have a f- couple of friends, honestly, that their brothers or sisters went to do arts and musical theater, et cetera, for their degrees, and they ended up not finding jobs. However, you recently were on a cruise ship for six months, yeah. and you're about to go on another cruise ship and perform for another six months, but yeah. that's just six months of performing. That's not leading up to you know, your month or two months of condition yourself to go on that cruise ship and when marty first told me about your first uh audition onto the cruise ship like man he's a he's a lock and she's like what do you mean i was like have you not seen him performing as bert (laughs) she's like well yeah but that's just college i was like but that was an amazing performance and that's just an eye of me as you know pedestrian watching the nutcracker and bert (laughs) and so i didn't think anything of it until you know marty was like well it's gonna be tough i was like well It'll be fine. And you know, if you if you don't mind sharing with our listeners kind of like your your steps on how you progressed onto that uh, cruise ship as a performer. Oh yeah. I mean <laughs> this whole cruise ship performance thing is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um it's something that I always wanted to do. I always wanted to touring and um uh, uh performing out at sea uh is something that has always been a goal of mine. Right. Um and it's sort of what people do when they get right out of school. They go and because they're young and you can yeah. you can go and tour <laughs> and you can be away from your family and friends and you can perform and make money and the whole enchilada. Um, <laughs> I so <laughs> the audition was kind of crazy for the cruise ship. Actually, I stumbled in. It was a, a blizzard blizzard in New York. And I I hadn't been auditioning very much because I was working a day job and I was exhausted and yeah. I had just moved to the city. So I was still trying to get settled. And, you know, I live with my five closest best friends and it was a blizzard, literally a blizzard outside. And I was like, oh, they're probably not auditioning anymore. <laughs> they're probably not even there. And 
the text came out saying like, yeah, we're still here. We're seeing people. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to go. I don't, I'm not going to brave the weather. <laughs> and my roommates were like, are you crazy? Go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I got on the coat, got on the pants, got on the ski pants, trekked out to my audition and it actually went really, really well. It was mm-hmm. so low pressure because I wasn't sure that I even wanted to be there. And yeah. I had, you know, I hadn't been really, truly like attacking the audition scene um, for six months. So I was kind of like, yeah, I'll go. Whatever happens, happens. Very low pressure. (laughs) And because it was so low pressure for me, I had like one of the greatest auditions of my life. Right on. Also, so many people didn't show up to that audition because it was a blizzard outside. So they had the the people in the room who were auditioning. They're amazing people. They're Mm. the people I work for now. Mm. Had more time to like kind of connect with each auditioner. And I kept making it through each. So you have an audition and then they'll go through and they'll cut people out of the audition and release them to go home. And the next group will come in and you kind of go through the motions that way until it whittles down to, I think we had like five or six people left at the end of the day. Oh, wow. And so I kept getting, you know, through to each cut and, you know, I was like, Oh, this is fun. <laughs> like I could just do this all day. And I did. I was, I think I was there until six o'clock. Oh, um, no. And, you know, I, I had a contract lined up um, for March through May, basically uh-huh. in Ohio. I was going to go back and do work with one of my um, dear friends who's a director in Ohio and um, on a show that I've done before with him. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't, my availability wasn't immediate, but uh, I remember putting down on my audition form, like, I'm available, like, May 2nd yeah. or something. Yeah. So I left the audition. Great audition. Didn't think about it again. You know, I when when I leave auditions, I don't think about, oh, I booked that or I didn't book that. You know, I just think about, okay, how did I do? I left feeling good Um, and I didn't think about it for, uh, what, I guess it was two or two and a half months. Mm-hmm. After that, because I had a contract lined up and the last two weeks of my contract in Ohio, I think it was like the last week of April, the contract came through for Celebrity Cruises and it was like, hey, we want you on a ship starting May 1st in Miami. Uh, Can you can you accept? And it was like the best feeling in the world. It was like, oh, oh, yeah, I did that audition. I did that audition like three months ago. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not in New York right now. Like I can pick up and go. And yeah, from there, you know, two months in Miami and then getting on a ship. It's it's mm-hmm. unlike anything, anything I have ever done before. Yeah. Um, it's great. Yeah. There, it's it's rewarding. It's challenging. You you're away from family. You're traveling. You're traveling on someone else's dime and getting paid to do it. Yeah. Um, there's guaranteed audiences every night because Mm -hmm. guests on the cruise ship you know you're in the middle of the sea they don't Mm -hmm. have anywhere else to go so they're going to come to your performance and Mm -hmm. they're generally engaged and it's rewarding it's a very rewarding experience and i wasn't sure how i'd feel about it yeah because i I had never been on a cruise ship before in general just traveling wise so it's like you know let's let's just see how this goes yeah (laughs) and it was great it was truly great. And, you know, after that, I was offered another contract. So I'm going to I'm going to ship out and do it again. That's so awesome. I, I'm listening to this story and the vibe I'm feeling. I, I love the positive energy that you have. You know, and I'm thinking about because I never really understood how the story went. But now I do. And so I'm going to put myself in the judge's seat and okay. thinking, OK, I've never seen this kid perform. Mm-hmm. However, in this blizzard and however degrees it was, this kid showed up. 
and he lit it up on on the stage, basically. And so just by you showing up, I felt like, man, he's pre-qualified because he's got the grit to walk through all that, to travel through all that, to get there, to here. Yeah, you make it sound so cool. <laughs> Literally, I was just thinking like, oh, I don't think I'll go today. Yeah, okay, why not? I'll go. I'll go. I don't know. It's my day off. I'll go. Yeah. And it just everything because, you know, I, I think just because I was in the space where I was accepting of yeah. like, this is what my situation is. Mm-hmm. Things just kind of fell into line. And yeah. that I I would offer that, that as a piece of advice of anyone who is in this career is, you know, let it happen. Mm-hmm. Just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Don't hyper focus on how to make it happen. Yeah. Because if you have if you have the skill and you have the gumption to show up um, and you get yourself there. Mm hmm everything else will fall into place. It might yeah. not fall into place on the time schedule that you want it to, right. but it will eventually. Mm-hmm. And that that's going back to those moments where you have to check in with yourself. Like you are going to have moments of complete failure. People yeah. are going to reject you over and over and over again, but mm. you have to check in with yourself and say, is this still important to me? Yeah. How badly do I want it? Yeah. Is the time, are the times of rejection so crushing that i can't get over them or learn from them yeah and then go from there yeah yeah that's great advice man man very very sound my uh, next question for you patrick is yeah. i'm always curious how how people will contribute to society and i'm uber curious on how does patrick or Zay contribute to society yeah that's a good question I this is my favorite part of the podcast. I like oh, to yeah. hear what people come up with. I was listening to Verl's podcast and I loved his answer for this. And I was like, ah, oh, shoot, I should come up with something better. <laughs> Shout out to Verl. Um, so the the most immediate contribution that I have to society is through my work. Yeah, because um, that's what I'm most focused on right now. Mm-hmm. And as I was saying earlier, uh, when I perform, I don't like to perform for me it feels Mm -hmm. selfish it feels um self-indulgent in a way and i don't like to feel that way when i'm on stage i like to try to give as much of me to whoever showed up yeah just like i showed up to the audition Mm -hmm. ready to give my 100 percent. i would like to give my 100 percent to whoever showed up to give their 100 percent attention to me that night um and i think that's you know a symbiosis that's that's fair Mm -hmm. um so I like to think about, and I had a mentor telling, tell me this a long time ago, and it's kind of just stuck with me as kind of my like underlying motto for when I perform. It's, um, I like to provide society or whoever shows up audience. I'll say people. I like Mm -hmm. to provide people an escape from their everyday lives yeah, or some sort of therapy for their everyday lives, Mm -hmm. because that's what theater is at Mm -hmm. its core value. It's, it's, um, a portrayal of life, either imaginary life or realistic life. Yeah. So you can have plays, you can have musicals, you know. Right. You can have ballet, you can have the Nutcracker. Yeah. But it's all a portrayal of life as how we exist. Yeah. Um, and I like to give that to people as a sort of escape or yeah. therapy or whatever they need it to mm-hmm. be in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had people like for an example, um on the cruise. I had a lady come up to me after one of the performances and she had booked a cruise with her husband. She had just recently lost her husband. Mm -hmm. And so she decided to go on the cruise anyway. Her friend convinced her to go on the cruise and she went with her. Yeah. 
And she came up to me after the cruise and she was like, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for your performance. Um, I recently lost my husband and she went into the whole spiel and I'm sitting there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, like, yeah. this poor woman. Yeah. But uh, she was like, this is the first moment that I've smiled, mm-hmm. like actually genuinely smiled mm-hmm. watching you guys perform on stage. Yeah. And for those 45 minutes or to an hour of performance, I didn't feel the weight of what I'd been feeling yeah. for, you know, three months prior. Mm-hmm. And that that to me is the most rewarding yeah. is when I hear something like that after a performance. It's yeah. like I I do make a difference. Yeah. I've made a difference in someone's life. And that's what it comes down to for right. me. I, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about how can I make a difference in your life? Mm-hmm. What do you need from me on the stage? Yeah. Um, what can I give you? Do you need that escape? Do you need that therapy? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That that's actually amazing because me as a going to a, a civic center performance i like to get dressed up take margie out on the night on the town and we're both looking very nice and it is it's an escape when you're watching these humans performing artistically like mm-hmm. i said earlier in the podcast it's poetry in motion yeah you know it's i love that i yeah. love that statement i think yeah. it's so accurate yeah it's it's amazing man i mean and theater can function on so many different levels it mm-hmm. is entertainment at its core value and on the surface level it, there is that element of fun yeah. there um but you know i like to dig a little deeper with yeah. things as i i tend to overthink things yeah. a little bit too much <laughs> but you know i like to i like to dig a little deeper and um i want i want it to be whatever you need it to mm. be in mm. that moment you mm. being the audience member yeah. who showed up yeah God. So it's important that's awesome man thank well, you well done because i i can definitely since it, like I said earlier, when I wanted to watch you perform as Bert, you know, and just hearing all the stories and actually seeing it for myself, it's something to see, man. And I, I'm going to try to get Margie to go on a cruise to watch you perform <laughs> yeah. in Southern yeah, March. Which, which cruise line is it? It's Celebrity Cruises. Okay. Um, this next ship I'll be on is in the Infinity Ship, um, and I sail from May to October. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm excited about it. <laughs> you ever get seasick? Motion sickness? No, you know, no? I, well, so I get really car sick. So does Margie, yeah. my sister. And yeah. uh, I thought that it would be really bad. Mom thought it would be really bad. She was like, oh God, you're going to be sick. She sent me off with like patches and bands and stuff. And I was like, I don't know. And I got on the ship and, you know, I didn't feel it at all. They have all the crew down on the lower levels. Uh, oh, okay. So you're... <laughs> sometimes at sea or lower and you don't really feel it down there i mean there are there are times you know yeah, storms happen and for sure you, you do feel it the higher up on the ship you are you feel it but no i i didn't get sick really yeah. wow yeah i was impressed i was like go patrick <laughs> <laughs> on these cruise ships though it's you, you perform nightly daily uh yeah uh it, it kind of depends on what your itinerary is for that week um but uh, on a seven-day typical cruise, yeah. uh, nightly. Okay. Um, if it's not a main stage performance, it's an experienced performance somewhere else yeah. on the ship. Yeah. Before we get to your defining moment, man, I got to ask, on the cruise ship, six, seven months at sea, performing nightly, uh-huh. tell me about downtime, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I see Instagram like, dude, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- 
tons of it there are there is tons of downtime yeah. um yeah. especially on a, like a two-week cruise yeah because you don't you don't add performances on a two-week cruise you still have we had three main stage shows so you still have those three main stage shows yeah. um and they just spread it out over mm-hmm. the two-week cruise mm-hmm. um so in a typical like two-week cruise you know you'd have a performance in like the first two days and then you'd have like five four days off and then you'd have another performance and then you'd have like two three days off and it you know you you get used to it after a while but you have to really keep yourself occupied it was easy to get into the netflix like wormhole (laughs) (laughs) downloading movies or uh yeah yeah i had to keep myself very active i read a lot of books yeah, while I was on the ship. I've seen a couple of posts where you're just chilling, laying on the beach, man. Well, yeah, that that happens too. I mean, if I had that body, I'd lay on the beach all day. But you know, <laughs> hey, I'm working. Hey, <laughs> hey, yeah, no, uh, th- that's also the great thing about yeah. it is because you, you're able to get off the ship and right. you're traveling. So yeah. I got to see all these new places that I'd never been. Yeah, before. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm really, like I said earlier, I'm honored to have you on this podcast to share your defining moment, and I'm sure you've got plenty of them. Is there one or two in particular you would like to share with all of our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I <laughs> I know that so many people have said this coming on your show, but it is so hard to pick out one <laughs> defining moment. Right, right. And as I've been like meditating and marinating on my answers that I sent you, I, I've been able to pick out a few other than this and it's become easier the more that you sit with it Mm -hmm. but um yeah it's it's difficult it's Mm -hmm. difficult to sit there and and think about these yeah (laughs) um i'm glad one that stands out is it's it's kind of a compilation of a few moments in my life that led up to where i am now yeah and that's that's kind of what i'm going with yeah um basically as a it it starts when i'm i'm pretty young grade school days i was bullied as a kid mm-hmm. quite quite harshly i mean i don't know if that's a special story nowadays which is kind of sad i think a lot of kids are bullied or they've experienced some type of bullying and mm-hmm. i hate that for them yeah um and i hate that that's the way that our world is but that was my story you know i i was bullied as a kid. I was I was generally well liked um through my elementary school days, but we moved because of my dad's job and yeah. it made it kind of difficult to make lasting connections. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm I'm sort of an introverted extrovert. Yeah. <laughs> where I I do really well when I socialize with people, but right. I'm also really good at alone time. <laughs> and so having having a hard time to like keep solid friendships down, uh I became kind of reclusive um, mm. as a kid, and that made me a little bit different. You know, uh, it made me it made it harder to socialize. So I'm sure it was not an easy thing for my parents to see. And yeah. actually, I know it wasn't an easy thing for my parents to see because they saw in me what they see in me now, which mm. is a completely extroverted guy who yeah. who is also sensitive, and um, yeah. they they wanted the best for me, and they right. still do. So they kind of pushed me into every activity that they could find yeah. for me. Yeah. Um I mean I tried it all. I tried every sport that I could think of. You know, <laughs> I, I had the baseball, I had the basketball, I had the soccer, I had tennis, <laughs> I had golf, I had chess at one point, which is not a sport, but <laughs> we tried it. I had Boy Scouts, I had clarinet. 
nothing really stuck <laughs> with me. And oh, um, yeah, I I don't know. I just I I couldn't find that thing that um that driving force mm-hmm. that really inspired me. And because I didn't have very many friends, all of this kind of accumulated into reclusiveness. Yeah. Um basically I I fell into the trap of believing like if I was different, I wouldn't be well liked. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the tools to recognize that that was actually an okay thing and yeah. that was actually a great thing. Yeah. And that's what makes people unique and individual. Yeah. But because of my aforementioned um, internal inverted extrovertedness, um, yeah. you know, I I tended to stay on the outskirts quite mm-hmm. a bit. I mean, I remember all through middle school, I never felt like I had anyone to eat lunch with. So I would go, <laughs> I would go take my lunch from the cafeteria and I would go sit in either like the choir room or <laughs> the art room and sit I'm I'm sure I loved my teachers, but I'm sure they were like, what is this kid doing? Like, we just want our lunch break to ourselves and he's sitting in here and he's eating by himself. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. I don't, uh, it just, it, it was a very, I mean, it was a very lonely time of my life, but I, it never really upset me. Mm. I, I'm good with being mm. on my own. I, I find ways to keep myself entertained and then, you know, having the external force of my parents who really wanted to find something for me kind of i don't know it just laid this underlayer of like find something find a passion find something and i don't know what possessed me <laughs> to do this but one time i was eating in the choir room by myself uh other kids were in there they were practicing during their lunch hour for the talent show that was happening in yeah. middle school um and i was watching these three girls perform some number that they had put together for the talent show. And I was like, that was really fun. <laughs> that looks really fun. I, I, I don't know what possessed me to do it, but after school that day, I went up to one of the girls who's now one of my best friends in the world. Um, I went up to one of the girls in the hallway. I didn't know her. I didn't know her <laughs> at all. I, I was like, do you want to, do you want to do a number for the talent show with me? She was like, uh, sure <laughs> and just from that we kind of created this organic friendship yeah. and we we did this number in the talent show it was great i mean i'm sure my mom was thinking what are you doing <laughs> like who are you who have you become and from there um i fell into performance yeah. i mean it was kind of this like accident i don't know where it came from wow. i had always been interested in choir but it was never like the thing that you did i was interested in art but it was yeah. not the thing that you did yeah um and that was mostly like we had moved from tulsa to oklahoma city and tulsa didn't have a huge theater scene at that point Mm -hmm. oklahoma city has a huge theater scene yeah and this girl that i had met doing the talent show she took me to an audition at a community theater and from there um it it just kind of exploded yeah from there it was like a boulder rolling down the hill faster and faster and faster and faster anything i could get my hands on Wow. And I fell into dance from there. I fell into doing more and more shows with them. I fell into acting after that. And yeah. it was like this whole new world had opened up for wow. me. But I attribute that back to the isolation. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't had the years of isolation and the 16 years of searching for something, mm-hmm. a passion, yeah, 
I wouldn't have had the tools to recognize when it came along. Right. And so, yes, even though I was bullied and it was a painful experience, I actually attribute that to part of my success. Yeah. I, I don't think, um, in all cases that the bullies and the isolation are the worst part, Mm -hmm. you know? that it gets better it Mm -hmm. gets better from that and if i hadn't gone through that i wouldn't be where i am yeah today yeah yeah wow Wow. (laughs) so it started with a a number uh that you asked a girl to perform so what did you mean by a number oh we we chose i think it was a it was a song from you're a good man charlie brown okay (laughs) And I don't even know how we decided. I think it was just something that I had heard as a kid. I thought it was funny mm-hmm. and it was a duet. Mm-hmm. And we just decided, I, I no, actually I decided, I, I, I told her, I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Do you want to do it with me? Yeah. And thank God she said, yes. Yeah. I don't know what possessed <laughs> me to, to say like, do you want to do this? And yeah. yeah, she, she was totally down and she did it. And we we became really really good friends. Yeah. After that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So you went from getting bullied in elementary, middle school, mm-hmm. around, and then in high school, you just blossomed into finding out your passion is the musical ballet theater scene. Yeah. 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 It wasn't until I was seventeen that I realized why I was being bullied, and <laughs> and it's a byproduct of who I was growing up with. It was generally just uneducated people who didn't know any better. And it, mm. I found out that it was because I'm a homosexual mm. and um, people saw that as something that they didn't understand. They saw it as someone who is different from them. Mm. And um, ultimately I think those two kind of create this poisonous cocktail where somehow they get it into their heads that different is a threat mm. to them. And they liked to point that out to me. And Mm. because that was not even on the forefront of my mind at the time, I didn't understand why it was happening to me. I Mm. I couldn't figure out why I was being pointed out, but in the long run, it was great. Yeah. It was great because it helped build the person that I am today. It, it helped siphon off the hatred Mm. i was i was able to tell okay well these people don't like me very much where are my people yeah it it helped me uh it helped reinforce how important it is to find your clan of people Mm. and stick with them yeah and i think because of the bullying and because um i didn't have a huge group of friends that i was always hanging around with it taught me to create closer friendships um with smaller groups of people. Mm-hmm. And I I actually I know that for a fact because that's how I live my life now. I I have I have a lot of friends and I have a lot of acquaintances, but I I have the people um my friend Tess calls it uh, her lifeboat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Tess Marshall. <laughs> this is not my idea. Um <laughs> the people who you keep in your lifeboat and who you would take in your lifeboat if you had to um those are your that's your clan mm-hmm. and those are the people who will build you up yeah ultimately yeah yeah wow that's a that's actually really powerful man to, in high school is finding out why you felt like you were being bullied well, when your parents when they found out what was their reaction like um it was great yeah <laughs> it yeah. was it was great uh 
And, you know, I was never concerned about telling my parents, right. which is fortunate. That's um, awesome. <laughs> I kind of, I don't know. I had this kind of atypical coming out story too. I, I didn't really recognize what it was until it was right in front of my face. Mm. I had to have it shown to me like, no, you are different and that's okay. Yeah. And yeah. as soon as I knew it was like, oh, hey, mom and dad, guess <laughs> what? This is who I am. And yeah. they were completely accepting of it. Yeah. it. It's a very fortunate thing to have in my life yeah. now that I'm like looking back on that. Not a lot of people have that. And yeah. I wish it I wish that were the case. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. just not the case. But um I, I was one of the fortunate ones who yeah. it it was just a byproduct of my life, another fact yeah. of my life. Yeah. You know, I piled on the theater stuff first and then it was like, <laughs> Oh, okay, okay, this is just another fact. <laughs> <laughs> was, and Margie obviously knew too, right? And what was her reaction? Uh, you know, I don't really remember. Yeah. I, I'm sure it was great. I don't remember if I actually officially like said the words to her yeah i'm sure on some level she always knew yeah but, um yeah. yeah no i don't remember and i don't have any negative feelings towards it so i'm sure it was yeah. it was great yeah and it probably happened around the same time as i told my parents and mm -hmm. yeah nothing ever changed between my sister and i because of it in yeah. fact it probably the only thing that did change is we became closer because mm -hmm. of it mm-hmm and that's another fortunate thing yeah. I recognize that I have in my life. Yeah. That doesn't always happen for people. Yeah, I, I agree. And I do fully agree that, you know, your parents and Margaret are very supportive um, people to have around in anyone's life. I mean, it's, yeah. they're pretty amazing. Man. Yeah. yeah. The confidence and resilience that they all have had. It's, yeah. I it's mean, it's pretty legit, man. It, I don't, I definitely don't think I would be who I am, where I am, or have the work ethic I am without the people who raised me. I, I owe a lot to them. Yeah. I owe a lot to them. Yeah. Your your dad's a super brilliant physicist yeah. and he's very handy, you know, yeah. in, in carpentry. And your mom's got a degree in math and MBA and you know, she's got her own business, mm -hmm. you know, knitting business. Yeah. Love to get Mrs. Rose on the podcast. I know. She needs to come on the podcast. <laughs> Where's Mama Rose's story? Yeah. <laughs> And your sister, she's super analytical, financial, yeah. And she's a health coach, and she's into yoga. She's in the outdoors, so it's it's a well balanced family. It really is. I <laughs> this might have like a negative uh, tone to it, but I don't mean it in a negative tone. I yeah. I like to think of myself as the black sheep of my family. Like, yeah. where did I come from? Yeah. How how out of a physicist and a math major <laughs> slash business entrepreneur came a musical theater homo <laughs> I, I i just i don't i don't understand well i would say that i feel like being in performing arts there's a lot of physics in that yeah right yeah and the choreography is a lot of uh, scenarios and mathematics that run into that it's timing yeah so there you go man no black mm. sheep here, brother. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair. I'll take it. That's a good explanation. <laughs> I'd love to hear your dad and mom come on the podcast and explain that one. They would. Yeah. I mean, they would have a really great, I'm sure that they have a great defining moments together. They should come on together. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen. It'd be hard to call them Chuck and Jan, you know. I could never do that. Because when my parents heard that, they'd be like, why are you calling them that? <laughs> it's Mr. Mrs. Oh. <laughs> uh, that would be really awesome. Yeah, man. So now that's 
awesome your story, you know, from elementary to middle school to high school through college and now as a professional. I mean, you you had this passion in performing arts. Mm -hmm. And here across the table, I'm sitting from I'm a professional. You perform on boats, man. <laughs> You're living the dream of <laughs> a lot of guy, a lot of uh, guys and girls that do go to school to do that. They they don't make it. Right. And for you, you know, it's it's well deserved. It's not the grace of fluke luck because I'm I don't necessarily believe in luck. I believe that you create your own luck. Yeah. And you walk through that blizzard. You went on stage <laughs> and you perform like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. No pressure. And dude, you've got full time jobs. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. No, it's I I recognize how luck. Well, I guess lucky isn't the right term. You just said that. <laughs> but uh, I I recognize how fortunate I yeah. am. Yeah. To be where I am because yeah. it it is a tough industry, and I just I only encourage people to keep keep at it. Yeah. If you love it, keep at it. Yeah. I mean, no two paths are the same. If it's important to you and if you're getting upset over it, it, it probably means that it's worth it. Yeah, I like it, man. <laughs> my um, my last question to you, Patrick, is okay. how do you want people to remember you? Oh, gosh, that is a really good question. You know, I. What? OK, so what I try to bring to every relationship that I have in my life is a sense of positivity and a sense of security and a confidant, a, a listener. And I would love, I would love for people after I'm gone to say, Patrick, I could go to him for anything and he would sit down, shut up and listen. Mm -hmm. And if I asked for his advice, he would give it. Mm -hmm. Being there for people, that's, that's how I want to be remembered. I want, I want to be remembered for being there for people. That's awesome, man. That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> that's a solid answer because I feel like that's genuine and that's true. Because I feel like I can tell you anything and talk to you about anything. And you would give me a straightforward answer. And I definitely appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. So, Patrick, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners before we end this podcast? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think um, there's a couple of things that come up uh, from my story that I want I want people to get the point. I, I think it's super important that you find your passion and find your clan. But for everyone who is being bullied or feels like they're being bullied, um, I just want to give them a piece of advice <laughs> that mm -hmm. I came to understand through my situation. Mm -hmm. um, I, I challenge the notion that bullies are awful human beings. They're people too. And I think more times than not, a bully is just as scared as you are in mm -hmm. this world. And when they're bullying, they're probably pointing out something that they wish they could be mm -hmm. or an insecurity that they haven't yet conquered for mm -hmm. themselves yet. And, and I think in a lot of right circumstances, bullies can be a very valuable learning tool yeah. and a very valuable friend. If you're able to stand up to them and, um, shock them with your individuality. Yeah. It's almost like killing them with kindness. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. That should, yeah, that should be my new motto. I'm going to kill you with my kindness. <laughs> that's a, that's awesome, man. And uh, appreciate your time for coming on the podcast and all the best on your future endeavors and your job. I'm sure we're going to hear about it and see Instagram. Right? Yeah. How, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, well, you can, you can get a hold of me in multiple ways. Um, you could email me if you have any questions. You can email me at prose07 at att.net. I also have a website, um, Patrick Cleland, C-L-E-A-L-A-N-D, rose.com. 
And I also am super active on social media channels. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or follow me on uh, Instagram, um, the handle is at P-A-T-T-I-E underscore Rose, R-O-S-E seven. Yeah. I would love to hear from you. If you have any questions or any thoughts about any of the stories that I had, um, please shout out. All right, man. Well, appreciate it. Love you, brother. Love you. All right, man. I truly hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have a defining moment or moments you would like to share, please reach out to me. I would love to visit with you about it and share it with the world on a podcast. Here's how to find me. Visit my website, www.definingmomentspod.com. Follow me on Twitter at defmomentspod. That's at D-E-F moments pod. Search me on Facebook, Defining Moments Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Defining Moments Podcast. That's all one word, at Defining Moments Podcast. Subscribe to Defining Moments Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this show, I would be extremely honored if you gave us a review. This helps boost this podcast so more people can find it. Go out and be a positive influence today, every day. Make someone smile. My name is Wong Lam, and I approve this podcast. <laughs>